Um, this is the second inspired letter. Uh, the, the word inspired or inspiration means God breathed. Remember this, writers, the writers of the Bible were not inspired. They were led along with the Holy Spirit. The words are inspired. Inspired means breathe. They were God breathed. And I hear people, they don't, they don't mean anything by it, but they mistakenly say the inspired writers. Well, no, they weren't inspired. The words are inspired. And this is the inspired word of God. This is the, the, uh, there were some other, obviously other letters written to the church at Corinth that they uh, had some uh, discussions back and forth with the Apostle Paul. But uh, this here is what God wanted recorded. And uh, for us, and uh, for time and eternity, he has recorded this. And he is concluding this letter. He's embarrassed. Remember this? He was kind of embarrassed because uh, he was bringing up an issue of uh, this jealousy that he had over this church. And it was a godly jealousy. And it was a jealousy uh, like, uh, uh, like God has over his children. And Paul's jealousy was because uh, he, he had a desire for this church that he built to arrive in heaven spiritually and doctrinally pure. He wanted to, he wanted to get to the judgment seat of Christ with, with, some, with some right doctrine and some spiritual maturity. And so in the rest of this letter, in, the, in chapter 11, chapter 12, Paul's going to continue with this theme. And he's going to go through a time here now where he's going to vindicate himself and vindicate his ministry. He's, he's been getting a lot of, uh, uh, obviously it doesn't record all of it, but we see here that people are saying things about him. People are saying things about his ministry. People are questioning his authenticity. People are questioning uh, whether he's really an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. And now he's dealing with these things. And in this portion of 2 Corinthians, he is actually, he's just going to vindicate himself. And let me say this, there is a time when vindication is needed. There's a time as believers, we need to vindicate ourselves. Now remember Proverbs 24, uh, 26 and verse 4, the Bible says, Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest thou be like unto him. Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest thou be like unto him. But the next verse says, Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own conceit. And so we see here, is, is, is it good to always answer a fool? You, you've been around those people. They say the most foolish stuff. And something inside of you says, just don't even answer them. They are so ignorant. So willfully ignorant, don't even answer them. But then at another time, somebody will say something so ignorant, you know, if, if this, this needs to get answered, not necessarily for them, but maybe for those around that are listening to the, this idiocy. Right. I, I used to go back and forth of how much interaction we should have as believers with the gospel on social media and on the Internet and all things like that. And I'm telling you, I, and I'm still not 100 percent convinced what we ought to do with these things. I do pray. We do ought to pray for wisdom. I mean, the Bible says that there is to remember the men of Issachar. They had an understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. And we ought to be that way as well. We, had a, we ought to have wisdom in these things. And uh, I, I came to the conclusion, well, if error is going to be spread all over the place through the Internet, maybe somebody should be on there uh, countering the error with truth, right? And the problem is you got to be really careful because it can just uh, suck you into the pit, right? And you're uh, we in a colossal waste of time. There's all sorts of, find yourself arguing with people that are just, it's like arguing with a fence post, and sometimes it's not even worthwhile. And I'm not good enough to know the right ways to do it, and so I just kind of stay away from it because I, yeah, it just gets me irritated. But there's a time to get involved. 
There's a time when you ought to answer the fool, right? There's a time when you ought to say something because people around need to hear it. It, 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 it. They don't they don't need more fodder for their distorted truth. Somebody needs to correct the record every once in a while. And you know, Paul is here vindicating himself. And I know you in this room probably don't believe this and you can't believe it. But you know, even I have been accused of a lot of things already. I have. You, I know. I know you wouldn't. You wouldn't think it was true, but I have that. Yes, I have. Legalist. I love that one. Yeah, yeah that guy's a legalist. Yeah. Uh, well, you've just proven you don't know what the legalist means. <laughs> what legalism means, right? I've been called a legalist. I've been called controlling. Probably true. And uh, I've been <laughs> I've been called a Calvinist. I had some oh. some gal said I just think you're a Calvinist. I was like, obviously you don't know a thing about Calvinism. That's actually funny. Yeah. I've been accused of being unsaved by somebody once before. I've been accused, this is the most recent one, an egomaniac. I like that one. I'm like, well, that's a pretty good word, actually. I like that word. An egomaniac, right? I have, Listen, I have stacks. I'm telling you, I, I wouldn't give them to you, but uh, you can ask my wife. They're back. There's, unfortunately, she hears about it. And I have stacks of, of letters, written letters. I have stacks of virtual stacks of, of emails and text messages of all sorts of complaints and whinings and moanings and everything that's being done wrong. And I'm telling you, it, it comes uh, not, not in this crowd here tonight, thank the Lord, but uh, it comes. It absolutely. And a lot of them aren't worth even responding to. Right. Yeah, they're not. Some of them need to be responded to. Uh, some they're so ignorant you, you wouldn't even know where to start to respond to them because <laughs> there's other issues. But some do need to be responded to. So the question is for myself, the question is for you really, because as a believer, sometimes you need to vindicate yourself and vindicate what you do to the lost world or, or to the Christian world that may be uh, worldly and carnal and uh, not very spiritual. Uh, so the question is, when do you know when it's time to respond to the detractors? When do you know that it's wisdom in responding to the foolish things that are being said? When's the right time? Well, we're going to see here in, in uh, chapter 11, uh, three things about Paul's response to hear the church at uh, Corinth here. And the first thing I want you to notice here is really is Paul's wisdom. Paul is going to respond to this church. He is responding to the detractors. He is and distractors because they do distract from the ministry. And uh, he is going to he's going to respond to them and vindicate his ministry. And he's going to begin here with some wisdom for these people. Look at verse four. For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus whom we have not preached, or if you receive another spirit which ye have not received, or another gospel which ye have not accepted, you might well bear with him. And some of the wisdom that Paul is beginning here with is, is, is trying to help this church to understand and to realize, like we've been looking in, in Ephesians, in that prayer that he has, that, that he wants God to open the eyes of, 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 of believers to understand what we have in Christ. Well, right here we see Paul's wisdom and wanting this church to have their eyes open to, to uh, have a little bit of wisdom to be able to see that, listen, there are false preachers out there. There are people out there that preach error. Look at this. For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus. Can I tell you Mormons have another Jesus? They believe he's the brother of Satan. No, that's another Jesus. Because I don't know how Jesus, who is the creator of all things, which would include Satan, could also be his brother. 
It is illogical. It doesn't even work. The Jehovah's Witnesses have another Jesus. They believe he's Michael, the archangel. That's Jesus. Again, here's the other problem, right? Michael's a created being. John 1, you got Jesus creating everything there is, which would include Michael, the archangel. Yet they say that's Jesus. So he created himself out of nothing. That'd be interesting. And called himself Michael. And then, and then while he was on earth, obviously, I guess Michael took a leave of absence. I mean, come on, friend. It just gets ridiculous. That's another Jesus. And they are out there preaching another Jesus. And I'm telling you, they can get into even this church and any church and, and worm their way in. And uh, they can really cause a lot of problems. And so the wisdom of Paul, he begins with this church. Remember the last time he said to watch out for those that destroy the simplicity of Christ. And he's talking about now those who come to you and they're just, they're going to preach another Jesus. Look, whom we we have not preached, or if you've received another spirit, there are other spirits out there that are uh, alive and well in churches. I'm talking about that Pentecostal spirit. I'm talking about that spirit of the charismatic movement. Friend, that's another spirit. That is a spirit, listen, that is not of God. It is, a, listen, barking and writhing on the ground and screaming bloody murder and running around is not of the spirit of God. Do you know one of the fruits of the spirit is Temperance, which is what? Self-control. I'm all about getting excited at church. I am all about having a good time when the singing and the preaching. I don't mind if somebody gets up and jumps up and, 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 and hops up. And I really don't mind. I, I kind of like it, actually. All right. But they're no, not you. Not you. You're going to hurt your knee. But but but, the, but listen, you, you've seen those services. Yeah. I had a lady tell me I worked at this place. They were Pentecostal. They're from Louisiana. And she said they were at a, in a church service once and this, this lady in the choir, black lady in the choir, just laid out flat. She fell down slain in the spirit. He said, she goes, you know, they carried her off and she was stiff as a board. Stiff as a board when they carried her off. I was like, how is that possible? This is demonic. Yeah, it is. Another spirit. Another spirit. They're out there. They're out there. What, are we, we're, what were we told to do? Try the spirits. See whether they be of God. Can I tell you what the Holy Spirit doesn't do? He doesn't bring glory to himself. The Bible said so. What is his job? To bring people to Jesus Christ. He directs everybody to the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. He doesn't bring glo glory to himself. The Holy Spirit of God never leads us into something that is fleshly and worldly. This Christian rock. It's, it's pure, rotten flesh. And then people say, oh, just feel the Spirit of God come down. I'd try that spirit. Yeah, I'd try it. Right? Can I tell you this? You, when, you, when you're out there trying the spirits, you, you, here's a good one. If he ever contradicts the, the Word of God, it's not the Spirit of God. Because, listen, he inspired it. He wrote it. We've got it. Right? He's given it to us. He's not going to uh, um, contradict himself. It is not possible. I was, I was talking to a man, arguing with a man, really, back in about the early 1990s, a guy I used to work with, and he was telling me all about his church. It was a charismatic church up in Springfield, and he was telling me about all the stuff they do, and they speak in tongues, and, and they do all of these fun things like this, because, you know, us, here's the term, cessational dispensationalists, which means those who believe that the gifts ended, 
The, apostle, the apostolic gifts ended, right? And he said, you cessational dispensationalists, you just, you just talk everything away. But I'm telling you, it's still here and it's still real and God's still working. And yes, people speak in tongues and we heal people and people get delivered and blah, 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 and all of these things. And I was, I was just listening to this and I didn't know much back then. But I said, well, okay, I guess fine. I guess if it's biblical, I said, do more than three people speak in tongues in your church? Because when Paul was given direction, it said two, two at the most by three. I said, do they speak at one time or do they take their turn? Because it says, and, and that by course, one at a time. I said, is there an interpreter? <laughs> I mean, somebody would have to know the language, right? Yeah. Is there an interpreter? I said, do women speak in tongues? Because in the context of tongues, it says, I suffer a woman to remain silent in the church. Do the women speak with tongues? He goes, well, yeah. I said, well, if that's not of the Spirit of God, what spirit is it? He says, well, we're still learning things. We're still growing. We're still growing. That's exactly what he said. We're still growing. Yep. It was a really simple answer, ladies and gentlemen. It was not the Spirit of God. Right. Yeah. So try the spirits. Try them. Notice this, another Jesus, another spirit. Look what he says here, another gospel. If, or another gospel which you have not accepted, uh, you might bear them well. Can I tell you, there's one gospel. The death, burial, and resurrection, not of Michael or the archangel, not of the brother of Satan, but of Jesus Christ, the second person of the Godhead, truly very God. It's the only gospel. It's the only good news that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. But God came down, born of a virgin, lived his life perfectly, fulfilled the law, was crucified, gave up his life, shed his blood, went into the grave, came out three days and three nights later, and, and death was forever, uh, forever died. This is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's one, one gospel. Watch out for those that preach another gospel. Over in Jude, verse 3, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and to exhort you, watch, that you should earnestly contend for the faith, singular, which was once delivered unto the saints. There's one faith delivered one time unto the saints. And you know what? We still have it today. If you, listen, if anybody comes in and preaches something else, shut them off. It's not of God. Ephesians 4, 4 through 6. There is one body and one spirit as even you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all who is above all and through all and in you all. Sounds like it's pretty exclusive, isn't it? There's one way. Absolutely. Paul says this. Look at this at the end of it. You might bear with them. You might, ye might well bear with them. You know what he's saying? You'd probably follow them. You might bear them. What does it mean? You would allow them. Ouch. Could you imagine if I got up one day and said, you know what, you need to watch out for this, and you know what I believe? If I weren't here, they'd come in and they, you'd just let them go. You'd let them pre... That'd be quite the... That'd be, that'd be an indictment, wouldn't it? Right? I don't mean this by any means patronizingly or whatever I, I, I am thankful I don't, I don't worry about that right. yeah. he said you'd follow him taking the church's history at Corinth taking the garbage taking, taking all the, 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 the lack of maturity in Christ that they had yeah they would they'd just follow right along 
And watch this. Paul's wisdom here, what's he doing? He's making them aware of, of, of what may become of this church if they are not mature in Christ. Yeah. If you'll notice, secondly, verses 5 through 11, his works. He, now he's going to validate this boldness in his accusations. He says, hey, yeah, here, here's the wisdom of Paul. You better watch it, church. And now he's going to validate the boldness that he's taken. Look at verse 5, apostolic authority. For I suppose I was not a whit behind the very chiefest apostle. Remember, Jesus was confronted on the, or I'm sorry, Paul was confronted by the Lord Jesus on the road to Damascus. Watch, Jesus came to him just like he came to every other, all of his other disciples when he called them out. He called them out. He was put into the ministry by the Lord Jesus Christ himself, just like the other disciples were. He, he, was, he was taught by Jesus for three years in the Arabian desert. And the disciples, here they are, they were uh, with Jesus for the three years of his ministry, just like them. He was sent out by the church at Antioch in their obedience to the Holy Ghost, just like Jesus sent out his disciples and called them apostles and sent them out. What is he saying? He said, I, he said, I suppose I was not a whit behind the very chiefest apostles. He has apostolic authority. He has authority in what he's doing. He's not just come, coming off uh, and starting his own ministry, right? You ever see those guys out there? They fill in the blank, you know. Billy Graham Evangelistic Ministries and so-and-so ministries and so-and-so ministries. They have no church authority, no pastoral authority. They're doing their own thing all over the place and uh, they, don't, they don't have the authority to do it. You say, well, people are getting saved. Well, praise God. That's the power of the... You preach the Word of God and people will get saved, but it doesn't mean the one preaching it's right. Yeah. doesn't mean there's a lot of, not a lot of hidden error under there that, that, gets, that winds its way into, into good churches. Do you know what Billy Graham Crusades? They had they. If you didn't know this, you ought to. They had Mormons. They had Catholic priests. They had Presbyterians. They had Methodists. They had. I mean, whatever the whatever you run the gamut, they had their representative down front. If you went down front, you told them what you were, and they would send you over there. Friend, I have a problem with that. Amen. The Spirit of God wouldn't do that. My brother's pastor in Philadelphia, his mother was Catholic. They were all born and raised Catholic. She went to a Billy Graham crusade. I'm telling you, I know this firsthand. She went down and they sent her to her priest who was there. They said, oh, you're fine. Rosary. Praise the Lord. She got saved several years later. Yeah. If he's saved, he's got a hot judgment. Nobody filled with the Spirit of God can say a Buddhist could get to heaven his own way. Nobody, I don't think anybody, I, I don't understand. I understand senility can come in. I understand maybe some, but listen, nobody can say in their youth, there, there's a lot of problems there. You know, hell is just like a golf ball without, like a golf course without golf balls. No friend, it's a lot worse than that. I don't even know how I got there. Paul had apostolic authority. Billy didn't. <laughs> yeah. Apostolic authority. Notice he's going to give some evidence. Verses 6 through 9. Look what he says. He's going to give him some evidence. But though I be rude in speech, yet not in knowledge, 
but we have been truly made manifest among you in all things. My mouth is slow, but my brain's fast. I don't speak so well, kind of like Moses, right? I don't speak so well. He says, watch this, but my works are the evidence. But we have been truly made manifest among you in all things. Uh, you know, the, uh, been made manifest to you in all things. What has been made manifest? His authenticity, his authority, the work that he's doing. Listen, he, this guy, and we're going to see later in verses, in chapters 11 and 12, this, this guy, we know what, what the Apostle Paul lived through to get the gospel through the known world. Who in their right mind would do that? Right? If they're not sent by, I mean, come on. Yeah. He said, listen, his, his works are some of the evidence of his authenticity and, and, and uh, his authority. Do you remember? This was Jesus' argument as well. I listed a few of these verses here. John 10, 37, 38. If I do not the works of my Father, believe me not. But if I do, though you believe me not, believe the works that you may know and believe that the Father is in me and I in Him. What are we saying? Talk's cheap. Look at the actions. Paul says, yeah, I know I don't speak very well, but my mind's there. I know what I believe. Somebody turn the light out. But uh, it'll be all right. I'm trying to think where I was now. I lost my place. The lights went out. <laughs> no, there's. So, <laughs> did you hear uh, that the Father is in me? And I and him believe the works. That's where I was. Believe the works. It's really dark on there. It'll be all right. There it is. He said, believe, believe the works. Right. John 14, 11. Let me just read you another verse because I totally lost my train of thought. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. Here it is again. Right. What do we take? What, what do we mean? Your walk always talks louder than your talk talks. There's evidence. Here's some evidence of his authority. Here's some evidence uh, of his authenticity. Here's some evidence of his heart, his works. Look, his, his works, evidence. Look at verse 7. Have I committed an offense? And abasing myself that might that you might be exalted because I've preached to you the gospel of God freely. You see this? Have I committed an offense? You know that word offense there is the word hermardia. If you go to Bible college, you have to take hermardiology. It's a study of sin. That's all hermardia means. Sin. Right? It's the word for we get for sin. He says, Have I committed a sin? An offense. Look at this. In abasing myself. That word abasing means to humble, to lower, right? In abasing myself that ye might be exalted, that you might be lifted up. Why? Because I have preached to you the gospel of God freely. Have I committed a sin in lowering myself so that you could be exalted by preaching the, 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 preaching the gospel of God freely? Although Paul was an apostle of Jesus Christ, did he sin in lowering himself so the church could grow? 
you know, at any time he could have pulled rank. At any time he could have said, listen, Bubba, I'm an apostle, right? I have authority. I met Jesus personally on the road to Damascus. Yeah, I, I, I went blind. I heard a voice. I mean, listen, it, it, he taught me for three years. I'm an apostle. You need to take care of me financially. He could have done that. He could have tried that. See that? I've, he said, but I preached the gospel freely. Doesn't mean he just preached it all over the place. No, I think, as you can see coming up here, he's talking about wages. The Bible says not to muzzle the ox uh, that, that treadeth out the corn. The Bible says that, that they that labor in the word are worthy of double honor. Right? You're to take care. You're to take care. And, and uh, verse 7, he said, I preached the, uh, the, the gospel freely. He said, look at this. I robbed other churches, taking wages of them to do you service. Now, it doesn't mean he snuck into the, 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 the treasury and started pulling money out of, the, out of the money plate. You know, it's like, yeah, I'll tell you. I'll just take... He, he's, he's speaking here that he probably took more than he thought was necessary. They may have had it, right? They didn't have to give so much, but they did. And he took it because he knew that by doing that, he wouldn't have to take it from the church of Corinth. Maybe they didn't have much money. He said, I've accepted money from other churches to help you out. He said, I had needs. Look at this, wanted. I had needs. I robbed other churches taking needs of them. And when I present, was present with you, and look at, and wanted, right? He had needs. I was chargeable to no man. Do you see what he's doing? He's vindicating himself here. He's backing up some of the accusations. He's, he's fighting against them. He's answering the fool, according to his follies, lest he be wise in his own conceit. I was present with you. I wanted, I was chargeable to no man for that which was lacking to me. The brethren which came from Macedonia supplied. And in all things I have kept myself from being burdensome unto you. And so will I keep myself. I've refused to be a burden to you, church. That's what he's telling the church of Corinth. I have refused. I have every right to, to seek you, to... to uh, uh, have you take care of me financially, but I have refused to do so because uh, maybe you can't handle it right now and I want you to grow. So I'll let somebody else take care of me. He's vindicating himself. He's vindicating his ministry. He says, I'll con- I'm going to continue to let other churches know. Why? Look at this. As the truth of Christ is in me, verse 10 no man shall stop me of this boasting in the regions of Achaia. Why? Look what he says, verse 11. Wherefore? Because I love you not, God knoweth. He says, why do I do this? Because he loves them. He loves this church. He'd given his life to this church with no desire for a return because, because he loved the church and he wanted it to grow. And these pastors exist today. They've existed in the past. Pastors like this. They've been out there. They're out there. They are. Yeah. How many are in retirement age right now with no money? Because they gave their life to ministry. You say, well, they made some mistakes and they should have invested. Whatever. You know, some don't even make enough to invest anything. Some of them take little churches, right? Because they believe God led them to and they just 
They just sit there for years and years. Some give up bigger opportunities because they love their people. Reminds me of the great hymn, uh, Blessed Be the Tie That Binds. The man that wrote that, John Fawcett, I believe it was, there's a little church out in the rural parts of England outside of London, and uh, there is a, just kind of a ragtag group of pretty rough people out there, and, and uh, they, they needed a church out there, and the, the, uh, the Baptist church in London sent out a, a young pastor, and he went out there, and I love this, even back then, 1740s, even back then they went door, he said, built his church by going door to door. I like that. And uh, he was, uh, began to bring these people together. And he said that the, the history says they were crude and unlearned and, you know, and just kind of a rough group of people. But he stayed there for many years. He was a great preacher. And uh, eventually, I guess somebody from the big city was out there in the country and heard him preach. And they eventually invited him to London to a large church. He had made no money at this little church. And he, he was going to have a salary. He was going to have a big church. He was going to have an office. He was going to have everything. And he took, John Fawcett took, um, took the job offer. And uh, him and his wife were packing the wagons and getting everything ready. And uh, he said while they were packing, the church members were there helping and they were just weeping and weeping. They couldn't believe he was leaving. And he told his wife, Mary, he says, I cannot handle it. Unpack the wagons. And he unpacked the wagons and he went back and he wrote that hymn, Blessed Be the Tie That Binds. And he stayed there the rest of his life. There's a lot of them out there that do that. I love it, you know. They're out there. They're absolutely out there. Many have done this. I think of Richard King. He's got Alzheimer's now. In his own way, probably one of the top five preachers on my list. Phenomenal preacher. You would never know the way he started out. (laughs) But it it was spirit-led preaching. This was somebody who preached in the spirit in his own way. I've been in in meetings of 2,500 or uh, some of them were probably close to 3,000 people to hear him preach. But Sherry and I coming back from Canada one time swung through a little. He spent his whole ministry, him and his wife, taking little bitty churches that were struggling and building them back up and going to another one. And listen, we went to this little church in uh, Grand Island, Nebraska, and he had just had some chemo. Uh, for his, uh, he had leukemia, got through the leukemia and then the Alzheimer's. But uh, in this little church there in Grand Island, Nebraska, preached a great, great message that morning. And uh, going home, I don't know, maybe I said something, I don't know when I said it. I said, you know what, this little church has no idea who their pastor is. Humble. They may not have a clue where he has preached. You know, and his entire ministry has been that. Never, never for fame, never for a lot of money, never for this. Listen, Paul's, look, Paul's vindicating himself. And he said, I'm not in this for the money, right? Yeah. He gives him a warning, verse 13 and 15. I've got to hurry up here. Oh, my goodness, what time is it? Don't look. It'll scare you. Verses 13 through 15. I get extra time for the lights going out, okay? That my time, my clock stopped. For such are false prophets, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ, and no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore it 
is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. Notice his warning here. We saw Paul's wisdom. We saw Paul's work, his vindication. Look at thirdly his warning. False prophets. You notice what they are? They're deceitful. This is how you can pick one out easily. They never like to tell you what they really believe. They'll come to their, your door and they'll say, we are Latter-day Saints. They'll say, oh, you're Mormon. <laughs> they don't like that. Why? Because they're deceitful. I'll say, so do you really believe that Jesus and Satan are brothers? I go right there, man, because if you're wrong there, you're wrong on everything else. And you know what they'll do? They don't like to tell you that. Why? They're deceitful. Why? Because they're false prophets. They're liars. They're liars that need to be saved, and they need the Lord Jesus Christ. The cults are always deceitful. They, they, they don't like to tell you what they believe. The Jehovah's Witnesses, I remember one was coming up the uh, walkway there where we lived in one town, and uh, she be, you know, crazy, crazy times we're living nowadays, aren't I? I said, oh, yeah, it is. And uh, she, she went into some, segued into something about God. And I said, oh, what church are you from? Uh, we're over in Aurora. I said, oh, what church is it? Um, well, we meet over at Kingdom Hall. Oh, you're Jehovah's Witness. Oh, um, yeah. I said, well, we disagree on the person of Jesus Christ, so we're probably going to have an issue. Yeah. They don't like to tell you that. Why? Because they're deceitful. They are deceitful. Can I tell you something tonight? You and I, anybody in this room, probably, hopefully anybody listening, we have no problem standing at somebody's door, knocking on their door, and they answer and saying, uh, good, day, uh, good morning, you know, we're from Crimson Avenue Baptist Church. Just like to invite you to church. If you die today, do you know if you'd go to heaven? Hey, we have no problem telling people who we are. We have no problem putting on our website what we believe. Do you know how many websites I go to that do not put on there anything that they believe about the Bible? They don't put a thing on. They don't want, they don't want people to know what they believe. They want to be all inclusive, right? So the Antichrist. <laughs> yeah. They're deceitful. Look at this. They're transforming. They transform themselves. They make themselves look good. Oh, what wonderful, what wonderful families those Mormons have. Don't they have wonderful families? Look how clean they are. Look how nice their families look. Right? Careful. All that glitters is not gold, right? It's not true. They're transforming. Paul goes on to say, well, I mean, isn't this what Satan does, he says? Isn't this what he did in the garden? He, he took on the, he uh, convinced the serpent to let him, uh, I guess, in, uh, uh, indwell him to use him, right? Transform himself into this nice, smooth serpent, whatever he looked like back then. But he transforms himself. He always looks like he's right. He always looks like he is light and not darkness. He always looks... Listen, Satan is not going to tempt you with something, some weird, dark, evil thing. I mean, come on. We are like, yeah, no, thanks. Right? The cults don't do it either, usually. I was listening to a radio station. I was working up in Iowa. And this radio station, oh, man, the music was wonderful. And all that came to my mind was, my goodness. It was just like, it was just like they... they uh, the music just extolled the majesty of God. It was just beautiful music. And then Herbert W. Armstrong came on and it was like, oh, are you serious? They transformed themselves. Yeah. Oh, they'll sing all the hymns we sing, friend. They'll be more beautiful. They'll be more majestic. 
but they deceive you by transforming themselves into something that is that looks good. Look at this. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed, verse 15, as the ministers of righteousness. Are you telling me there's people in the pulpit, demon-possessed? Satan has his people in pulpits? Absolutely he does. You think he would, you, think he would, you really think he'd stay out of a church? <laughs> it's the best place. He doesn't need to go to a bar. Drink has them, right? He doesn't need to, I mean, they, the alcohol has them held where, right where they are. He likes church places. He likes churches. Let me show you some scriptural warnings. Turn over to Titus chapter 1. While you're headed to... Come on, get over here. Get, oh. Just get over. Get, get over. Found it. Titus chapter 1, listen to 6 through 13, speaking about, the, about the, the requirements for a preacher, for a pastor. If any be blameless, verse 6, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of right or, ruly, or unruly, for a bishop must be blameless, a steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, nor striker, nor given to filthy lucre, but a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate, holding fast to faith, faithful word as he hath been taught, that he may be able to, by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayer. For there are many unruly, here it is, and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision, meaning the Jews, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not for filthy lucre's sake. That's what they do. He says, there, there, verse 13, uh, look what he says, this witness is true, wherefore rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith. Don't allow them to talk. Don't allow them to go on. Listen to the warnings here of this all through the Bible. 2 Timothy 4, uh, 1 through 4, the Apostle Paul tells Timothy, I charge you therefore before God and before the Lord Jesus Christ, you shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts, so they heap unto themselves teachers, having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. Second Timothy 3.13 But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Matthew 7.15 Jesus said, Beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. He goes on to say, Ye shall know them by their fruits. You can pick them out, friend. If you know your Bible, you'll pick them out. Yeah. Matthew seven twenty one through 23, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which, which is in heaven. Wait, what is the will of the Father? You said, well, that sounds like works. Remember when Jesus was baptized? What did the Father say? This is my beloved Son, who I am well pleased. Hear ye him. What is the will of the Father? Do what Jesus said. What did Jesus say? Well, you must be born again. How are you born again? If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. 
He says, do the, it's those that have done the will of my father. He goes on to say, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not done many wonderful, uh, I'm sorry, have we not prophesied in thy name and in thy name have cast out devils and in thy name done many wonderful works. Jesus never says, oh, no, you didn't. You didn't do that. You didn't really cast out devils. Wasn't the reply. The reply was, I'll profess to them, well, I never knew you. I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Right, Micah? He never knew him. Never knew him. Not like he knew him at one time because they did all these great things, but then something else happened and now he didn't know him. He had never known them and they were still doing these wonderful works. Second Peter 2, 1-3, But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privately shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring up upon themselves swift destruction and many shall follow their pernicious ways by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of and though and I'm sorry and through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not and their damnation slumbereth not I'm not going to go to Second John seven eleven, but you can see it there as well Galatians chapter 1, 8 and 9. But though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you which we have not preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we've said before, and we say it again, if any man preach another gospel unto you that you have not received, let him be accursed. He said it twice. So why, why is Paul vindicating himself against the charges? Why is he answering the fool? according to his folly to protect the church to protect this Corinthian church he said no I'm not just going to let some yahoo come in here and start lying to you they've not invested what I've invested they've not given up what I've given up they've not, they've not uh, uh, worked for free for, for all these years right like I have why did he finally go to that route? Because they're lying to the church. These people are coming in and lying. Taking them off from, from the word of God. Yeah, he did it to protect the church. Yeah. Can I tell you tonight, this is why members at Crimson Avenue Baptist Church, this is why new members wait to serve. They're going to wait a little while. Absolutely. Sometimes some members will come in and they'll come in as new members. It's wonderful. We love it. And two minutes later, can I, you got something to teach? <laughs> Just, yeah, I hope so. I, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. We're going to wait just a little bit. Right. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That's why we have to be discerning about who fills this pulpit. Amen. Yeah, Absolutely. That's why I spend so much time hammering doctrinal issues. Doctrine, 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 doctrine. Why? Because what does doctrine mean? Teaching. I mean, we're teaching the Word of God. Right? You know, I may not always be here. Don't count down the days, because I'm not counting down any days. I, I have zero plans of going anywhere. Okay. But I don't know what the... Listen, a man's heart devises his way, but the Lord directs his steps. I don't know. But you know what, if I'm not here uh, at, some, at some time and there's another pastor that's here someday, I don't want him to be a devil. That's right. right. Why? I love this church too much. God loves this church more than I could ever love this church. Yeah. 
See, and I feel like if I've done my job, I've done my job, you'll have the spiritual discernment, you'll have the spiritual maturity, uh, and ability to know when there's a devil in the pulpit or in the classroom. Galatians 1.10, Paul says, For now, do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. Ultimately, ultimately, I love this church because I love the Lord Jesus Christ. It's His church. It's not mine, it's His. I just get reminded of this. Just the other day I was talking to the Lord. Do I make decisions like it's mine? Everything that passed through that has to go on in this church. I was asking the Lord this. Do I look at it like they need to be your decisions? I think we ought to check ourselves out all the time about this. Because it's so easy just to get in the groove of just, well, we've got to do this, we've got to do that, we've got to do this, right? It's like, wait a minute. What, is, what, is the Lord think? what, is, what does God think? It's His church. It's the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, are you good with this? Are you, do you approve? Protection. Let me ask you this tonight. Here's what we're ending. All right. Are you knowledgeable enough in your Bible to know if there know if there is a devil in the pulpit? I was so thankful just last summer, the end of last summer, somebody called me about something about a a preacher, and uh, they apologized for not catching it. I said, "Oh my goodness, no! You don't know how happy this makes me." They caught it. They caught what somebody said. They caught a bunch of what somebody said. Yeah. I was, I'm telling you, I was was probably so happy, so grateful. Why? Because that's how it should be. Everybody in this room should be that mature in the Lord and that knowledgeable in the Word of God and that in tune to the Spirit of God when something's inside is going, that doesn't sound right. I can't put my finger on it, but my goodness, Jesus said that my sheep know my voice. Yeah. So are you knowledgeable enough in the Word of God to know when there's been a devil in the pulpit? Do you make a pattern of trying the spirits? I'm going to challenge you. Do you make a pattern of trying the spirits? Yeah. Maybe, maybe this is, see, this is, the, this is another reason why uh, preachers preach or should preach against worldliness and carnality and separation and holiness because we know according to 2 Corinthians 2.14 the natural man receives not the thing of the Spirit of God the foolishness of them neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned chapter 3 and verse 1 I could not talk unto you as spiritual but unto carnal right believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, filled with the Spirit of God, can get so carnal that they can't discern spiritual things. While the world is going, oh, we, we have freedom in Christ, we can live how we want. Great, and that's why you have no spiritual discernment. And it's sad that somebody has stopped warning you because they want a bigger church. If the doctrinal purity of this church was solely up to me, or solely up to you, how pure would it be? I know it's Wednesday night. I'm not supposed to ask that tough a question. Yeah. Tell you what, if that bothers you, if, the, if that question bothers you tonight, would you do this? Would you just make it a point 
get between you and God and just make it a point. Put it, drive a stake in the ground tonight and tell the Lord, I, I want to become one of those members that will be able to detect error and protect the body. If you mean that, God's, God will start changing your life. He'll start driving the carnality out. He'll start working on the worldliness. He'll start working on the, on, on the, on the, on the lethargy and the lack of uh, you know, urgency. Could you imagine? And thankfully, it doesn't all hang on one person. But listen, how many churches have there been when one person stands up and says, Hey, wait a minute, this isn't right. And make somebody stop and think, go, oh, wait, what do you mean? Praise the Lord, right? Revelation 2, 2, uh, Jesus was speaking to the church at Ephesus. He said, I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how thou canst not bear, the, how thou canst not bear them which are evil and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not and hast found them liars. That's good. The Lord liked that. Why? Because, wait, because Jesus, it's his church that he shed his blood for, that he purchased. And I'm telling you what, you know what the Lord loves it? Loves is when people in his churches protect it, protect it from outside influences. Paul's wisdom, we see his wisdom, his works. Yeah. And then we see here, finally, how uh, Paul is going to give them a warning. If it was left up to you or I, you or I, how pure would this church be? Father, would you help us tonight ask ourselves that question? And then, Lord, by the Holy Spirit, would you do a work in our hearts and lives? Lord, that we would protect your church. We'd, be, we'd protect it. We'd be sensitive to the Spirit. We'd be in the pattern of trying the spirits. We'd be in the pattern of listening. We'd be in the pattern of being in our, in our, in our Bible and knowing the Word of God and meditating and studying it and being a student of it. Would you help us to do that? Thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you stand tonight if you would? The instrument's going to play. I don't know how the Lord's spoken to you. You, you stay right where you are and have some time with the Lord. How are we spoken to you tonight? You deal with him.
Chris, good to see you out tonight. Would you, uh, Chris, would you close us in a word of prayer tonight?